And I wanted to talk a little bit about worship here tonight, if that's all right, about, about you and I and what we've been called to as worshipers, as, as followers of Christ. As soon as you become a follower of Jesus, you become a worshiper. Like you were before, but you didn't know it and you worship whatever caught your fancy. And a lot of us had pictures of pop stars up on our, or pop idols as they're called, on our, on our walls. How many girls here had, had, have pictures of or a pop star on your wall when you were a kid? Any? Yeah, look, see, five honest women in the whole place. I want to ask, was it Justin Bieber or, no, you don't have to answer that. Uh, no, it was Paul McCartney, I know from, you know. It's like, well, we are worshipers. We're born to worship. It's one of the unique differences between us and animals. You will not find a bunch of giraffes sacrificing chickens around a campfire and holding their paws up to the heavens. Worship. They don't worship. Animals don't have a spirit. They don't worship. But if you've got a spirit, you worship. You understand the power of sacrifice. You understand what it is to reach out to God. And so every human, no matter how uncivilized or, or ancient civilization you might come across, they will all have been worshiping because we are born to worship, to reconnect with God in heaven. It's a defining difference between, between humans and animals. And, and another reason for me to, to find it very hard to believe, well, I, I just can't believe it, that, that I'm an advanced form of an ape. My wife certainly thinks it is sometimes, but, you know, I just, that's wrong, baby. No, she doesn't. You know, I mean, it's like, I can't can't accept that that because because worship is deep in in my soul and it's in your soul. And I don't want to think of you as sort of a descendant of monkeys or something like that. You're not. You are created by God with a spirit inside of you. Let me tell you another defining difference between humans and animals, a sense of humor. Animals don't tell jokes. <laughs> they, don't, they don't see the funny side of things, right? You don't see the chimpanzee sitting back, ah, oh, Uncle Big got killed by the lion. Oh, you know, like, it's not a joke to them. Well, it's not to us either, but it's, it's like, <laughs> but we, 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 uh, we, we, like that, we laugh. So I think that's a divine attribute. God has a beautiful sense of humor. And, and, and he has put that inside us. So that we have the ability to see another side of things. And the, the reason we need to connect with God is so that we get more of the divine attributes activated inside our lives. So we walk with divine attributes, with divine character, with divine nature, with divine attitudes, God's attitudes inside of us. So that is what worship does. So John says in John 4 verse 23 to 24, the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is a spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. Man, I love this verse. Just to start off with, he says, God's looking for true worshipers. So that would mean there are false ones. That would mean that there are people who worship, and it's not what you call true worship. And, and even in the Christian traditions, We've got a lot of superstitious chants and statements and we go through form and say certain prayers and things, but there's no heart in it. Nobody's feeling or, or, or 
carried or buoyed up by the Spirit of God. It's just religion. And religion will kill you. And not only will it kill you, it'll kill Jesus. And not only will it kill Him, it'll kill the Holy Spirit. And it has done for centuries. So it is important. It's not just a nice option to be a true worshiper. It is an imperative. You do not want to be killing your own spirit. You do not want to be killing Christ. You want to have a living, vibrant, active worship going on in your life that actually connects you with God in heaven. Because worship is the, is the action that does that. I know that we believe theologically Christ came, we died for us, but the, the, the enacting of you and God cementing that in re reality is through prayer and worship. Prayer will do it and so will worship. And they are the two things that you can do every week when you come into the house of God. The preacher preaches, but you can actually engage as soon as people start worshiping and when we start praying. That's, that's all of our moment to actually become active together. So he's saying God is looking for these true worshipers who worship in spirit and in truth. Okay, so let's, let's talk about this, this whole aspect of, of, of the spirit, worshiping in the spirit. Inside of you is... Is, is a spirit that is motivated, that has got the ability to know God, that has got the ability to know the future. It's got the ability to connect with God because Jesus goes on and says, God is a spirit. And if you want to connect with Him, you got to connect with Him in your spirit. You're not going to connect with Him with your flesh. You're only going to connect with Him in your spirit. So you and I need to recharge that's another one of the systems of God in the world, that every living thing needs fuel. You gotta have fuel in your body for it to keep functioning. You gotta have fuel in your car for it to keep functioning. You need mental fuel, emotional fuel to keep, and you need spiritual fuel. So, so God says, I, I need you to recharge so that, so that when your battery is running low, you can come in to the house of God and actually be rejuvenated every week. And actually every day we need a recharge. I don't know about you, but I have a, I have a charging culture in my life. As soon as I lie down on my bed, I plug this thing in. As soon as I get in the car, I plug it in. It's just become a habit in my life because I don't like the idea of it running below 20%. Because once it's below 20% and you're, out somewhere you, and you, you kind of, you, and you might need it and so, or else somebody else is trying to get in touch with you. I mean, that's the way our society is today. It's a little sad, I guess, but, but not so, you know, I mean, it's very convenient. It helps us in all kinds of ways. But if your battery is low, and I, I tend to think that most people are running on fumes. I think most people are running on low. That's why they're scratchy. That's why you find yourself snapping when you should be calm. That's why you find yourself in doubt and fear and anxiety instead of in faith because you're in a place of running on empty. Now, here's the thing. God is so into this. You're having a moment of recharge and, and having a, a moment of worship 
that he made it one of the Ten Commandments. In fact, he made it the fourth commandment. Thou shalt have a day off. It's called a Sabbath. It's an old word, but it, it means stop working. Because when you think, I've got to endlessly work to save my life, to make my life wealthy, to pay the bills, to get through it all, how can I stop working? The way that you stop working is to believe God. Now, I'm a Protestant. I believe in a work ethic. I work hard. I'm, I'm a, work, a work horse. There's no, there's no lazy bones inside of me. Some people I see, they are lazy. That's the fastest road to poverty there is. But, but I also, I work hard, but I rest hard. When I stop, baby, the door shuts. Because I know that even though I don't feel it, trickle charge starts happening. And after, after 24 hours, actually after about four hours, I'm starting to get creative because I can feel it recreating, new energy coming back. I want to do stuff again, but I got to contain myself. Hold, hold. Because there is energy that I am collecting while I am waiting on the Lord. And, and so, so God loved you so much, He said, I'm going to make it a rule. And I'm, I'm going to command Joshua to kill anybody who doesn't obey this rule. So He said, Moses, stone them dead if they, if they start working on the Sabbath. Because that's what's going to happen to you. You're going to live a dead life. Too tired to really appreciate anything. Always exhausted, always negative. Because you're worn out, you're exhausted. Do you know what exhausts us? Thinking that I'm never going to stop working. When we, when we are asking volunteers to help in church, and they say, we say, like, would you run a connect group? If they say, how long? We don't say, oh, forever. Until you die. That thought will kill you. You mean there's no end to this? Yes, there is. Try it out for three months. Try it out for six months. Let's, let's have a go at the, a big one, like 10 months. When you can see a sunset, it energizes you at the beginning. But if you see no sunset, you've got no energy at the beginning. Because this is just going to go on and on and on forever, and there's no end to it. But God did not want your work to be like that. In fact, every six days, he said, you're going to have a stop and a fresh start. And it's right up there. You shall keep, remember the Sabbath and keep it. It's right up there with thou shalt not murder. Like, that's, it. that's how important it is. Because I reckon that if you had a day off, you'd be less inclined to think about murdering somebody. <laughs> yeah, you, you're going to not be wanting to kill so many people. You just have a day off. It gets your battery up again. Stealing and lying, it's all about how you treat others. This is about how you treat yourself. This is about, hey, guys, you need to give yourself permission 
and I, I preached this this morning in our church, so I said, you need to give yourself permission to go home this afternoon and take a nap, snooze, so that you're ready to come back tonight, amen. But you need a day where you stop working and you start worshiping. And you worship with the saints and you worship with the people of God and you just relax. We do the work on Sundays. We're here to equip you. And some of you are no volunteer. But I find when I do the will of God, I'm energized. When I'm doing something I'm not meant to be doing, I'm I'm so not energized. It's deadly. But so I try and restrict myself to doing those things that I know are the the bullseye target for, for me to do in, in, in fulfilling what God's got for me. So, so for me to rejuvenate, I've got to come into the house of God and wait on Him. And you need to let yourself have permission to do that. Do not feel guilty for stopping. Don't feel so obligated by family, friends, the boss, or everybody else that you just got to keep on going a never-ending rat race and cycle. You don't have to go to the country to find peace. You can do it right here in Silverwater, in Parramatta. You don't have to go to some deserted beach area because I know people who do that and they still just work and work. I know people who go on a holiday who when they come back from the holiday feel like they need to go on a holiday because they didn't go on a holiday. They just got themselves busy fishing in the morning, going on tennis in the afternoon, taking the kids to the beach, and they're running around every flipping day. And they come and go, oh, oh. you need to get your batteries recharged. And you can't do that while you're running around doing stuff all the time. You need to sit back and worship. Now, there's private worship and there's corporate worship. When we come together and worship, we provide ourselves and everybody else with an atmosphere in which recharging happens. Check this out in Isaiah 40 verse 28. Have you not known? Have you not heard? This is like a point of piece of knowledge we haven't got. The everlasting God means He never, never stops. He's got endless energy, endless life. You and I are mortal beings. We have limitations on our life, but God, endless energy. The Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. Faints means gives up. Oh, I gotta repent sometimes because I I just give up on situations. Do you ever do that? No, you're all fully on, full of faith, always believing. You know, sometimes I've been... I've been believing for a thing for so long and it hasn't happened. I said, oh God, you obviously don't want to answer this prayer, so I'm just giving up on it. And then he rebukes me about 10 days later. He says, did you write that book on faith? I said, don't you bring that book in about not giving up and being persistent. So I said, okay. I pick it up again. Because when you move out of faith, you you move out of qualifying yourself for the possession of the promised land. You move out of the way of the power of the Holy Spirit. He, does, he never gives up. So if you want faith that never gives up, you've got to come to Him. He doesn't faint. He never loses heart. He doesn't get discouraged, nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. I mean, all of us don't know what we should do at some stage. What should I do? I've got no idea what to do with this situation. 
But his, he's got understanding that is fathomless. He makes Google look like an ant brain. Every word on every book, on every shelf in the world, God knows it. He's aware of it. He's aware of every blade of every grass, of every field throughout the entire world. He's aware of every thought and every brain right now throughout the entire population of planet Earth. Seven billion brains, nothing to that vast, swirling cosmos of a mind. It's completely able to understand every little thought that's going on, every little emotion that's happening, every little thing, the circumstances surrounding it, the why behind every action. There's not a thing that escapes his knowledge or his understanding, neither in heaven nor in hell, nor on the earth beneath. Everything is within the scrutiny of the Almighty God. It's a thing called omniscience, total, absolute, utter knowledge of everything that's going on. There is not one thing hidden from his view. You think the dark hides it? No, nothing. He sees in the dark. There is no one thing. And the beautiful thing about it is that in spite of all that he knows, he still loves. He still loves. He's well able to cope with it all. So if you need to know what to do, you just got to tap in by worship to that mind. Say, God, what should I do? His perfect wisdom, perfect understanding. It may not agree with our logic on earth, but He knows what you should do. He gives power to the weak. You're feeling weak? He gives you power. And to those who have the might, He increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord... Those who observe the Sabbath, I'm not saying it like a rule or a command. We don't have those in the New Testament. But the principle is there. The principle for healthy living is there. I think a lot of things that people are struggling with, depression and anxiety, if you just stop working for a day, for some that's like unthinkable. The real estate agent thinks, Sunday, I gotta be at the office. Somebody else will get the deal. How can I have faith in God? It takes a lot of faith to rest. It takes more faith to rest than it does to work. Because when you're resting, you're saying, I'm not going to enrich my life by my works. I'm going to enrich them by my faith and by the grace of God. And you'll see blessing come into your world when you make space for God in your weekly calendar. And you, you say church is a priority. Every weekend, you have me there recharging, getting my batteries on fire again. They shall run and not be weary. They shall mount up with wings like eagles, run and not be weary, walk and not faint. Okay, we've got to move on because, just because. I don't want to take all your Sabbath with preaching. You know, you need to go home and snooze or whatever else you do in bed. You know, it's like, I'm only talking to married people. See that, how I stepped to the lowest step and the lights brightened up? It's a miracle. It's like incredible. Okay, here's the second part of, of this. True worship is spirit and truth. Okay, he doesn't say those who worship me in spirit and facts. Because facts are vastly different to truth. All right, the fact is you might be having been told by the doctor you got a medical condition. The fact is, your marriage might be a little, a little wobbly, might be in trouble. The fact is, you might have some difficulty with your children. 
The fact is, there might be your kids having problems at school. These are all facts that can depress you. But you need to understand there is a higher reality called truth. I'm not asking you to deny the facts. True, the facts are there. We, we understand that. But I'm not going to walk with my eyes fastened to those facts. I'm going to walk with my eyes fastened to the Word of God because there is a higher truth. And I'm going to walk by the realities that God is talking to me about. And so every, every time I start to pray, I start to see a different future than the one I am visible. And it is always under contest. Believe me, walking in faith is one of the most difficult works you'll ever do. Jesus said, this is the work of God, believe. Because the disciples said, what must we do to work the works of God? And Jesus said, the work of God is believing. Because there are times when you just don't want to be positive. It's more delicious to be negative. It's, it's, it's like, it's more comforting. I don't want to be positive. My God, I'm sick of being positive. Hanging around all these positive people. You know, you're thinking, they're just, they're just all up. Up. We're called happy, clappy people. It wants to be one of them. I like the depression. It's like a big dark overcoat I can put on. Crawl into my bed and be miserable and justify all the bad behavior you like, you know, with that sort of, you don't know what I'm going through. If you were going through what I'm going through, you'd be able to sort of be as angry and as miserable as me do, you know. But I'm here to get, take that overcoat off you. I'm here to get you out of that bed. What do you want to stay in there for, for the rest of your life? You, you don't want that. You, you're, you're deep down on the inside. You, even though it's, it's sort of enjoyable, being a bit depressed. You know, if you're one of those melancholic, introvert, reflective, artistic style people. <laughs> when it rains, it's so beautiful. There's a dark sky. Oh, this is nice. Meetings were canceled. Praise God. Anybody? I mean, there's a long list. I can keep going. But you identify. I know some of you. You're susceptible to this. You're vulnerable to it. I am too. I'm that, I'm that personality. So for me, I got to get really rugged, brutal with my emotions. So get that coat off. Get out of this miserable bed. And switch your faith on, baby. Switch your faith on and start seeing a future that's blessed. Because other people are depending on that. Other people are depending on me and on you. Shaking yourself off the dust of depression. Isaiah says, shake yourself, daughter of Zion. Shake off the dust. You know who is told they're going to live in the dust? The devil. The serpent. In the Garden of Eden, you'll live in the dust. And when you're covered in dust and you're letting it settle on you, you're providing an environment 
for torment in your thinking, for emotional torment. If you want to have emotional and mental health, shake off the dust tonight, switch on your faith, and say, I am going to start worshiping not just in spirit, but in truth. Because in truth, I'm a conqueror. In truth, I'm a son of God. In truth, I'm an overcomer of all the sickness. In truth, I have a great life. In truth, I have a beautiful family. You're going to find that the truth about your life is different maybe to the facts. And you've got to make a decision. What am I going to walk by? Walk by the truth. See it in your mind. Speak it and prophesy. Because when you see it, you'll speak it. And you might be speaking a thing that isn't a reality. It's a fact. You're saying, I'm strong. When actually you know you're weak. But the truth is you're strong. In Christ, you're strong. I don't feel strong. Who told you to walk by your feelings? People don't see me as strong. Who told you to walk by the way other people see you? Or by the opinion that you have of yourself? This opinion from the Word of God is the only opinion that is worth building your life on. That word is the word you can build your life on. So that you're worshiping not only in spirit, but in truth. And truth in your world is going to be a transforming reality. Because whatever weakness you are today, you're going to be strong tomorrow. You might say, I'm not like you. Yes, you are. And I'm just like you. You might say, I'm, I'm just a person. And try to excuse yourself and justify yourself right out of the picture and disqualify yourself. You're being defrauded by your own thinking. Do not excuse yourself. Do not put yourself off the picture. Do not say, I, I can't do it. I'm not like that. Yes, you are. You're a human made in the image of God just like me. And I am as susceptible to weakness and negative thinking my God, how bad is it when you're negative? Negativity is darkness. In Him, Jesus, is no darkness at all. So this negativity is not the thing that God wants you to live in. He wants you to live in truth. You know, when, when I'm just walking along, feeling pretty good, somebody says something negative to me and I let it in, or just a thought. You remember something. Oh, God, it's a negative thing. Instantly, I have a physical reaction. I don't know about you, but my shoulders sag. And I, I hear myself go, I sigh. Sighing, sagging, and sagging, sighing. I'm de-energized. I don't want to go for a walk now. I just want to go back to my big overcoat and jump into bed. That's the power of one negative thought. Some of you got a whole vault full of those things in there. But you need to open it up and let the thief Jesus come in and steal all that negative bars you got inside there. And dump them. That husband you, you got divorced from years ago and you're still hating him. Come on, let's get out of there. Let's let it all go. Don't keep thinking about it because your shoulders sag. Your knees bend every time. Let's just move on. Let's just, just get away from it. That criminal conviction you had when you were a kid and you remember, oh, God, you know, you shiver and you're sad. Let's get on. There's a new version of you. 
This is version two, human. Amen. You left the other guy behind. That's not you anymore. How about that bad situation you've got to go home to and live with? It's not something in the past. It's present. It's now. And you're nervous and you're afraid. Hey, there's somebody who lives above those circumstances. You're not living under them, constantly buried under the darkness. You're changing your life tonight. You're saying, I'm going to be a worshiper in spirit and in truth. I'm going to have a recharged life and I'm going to live in a different reality in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, give the Lord a great clap offering.